We're sorry uh, for the news that just played, uh, which delivered some of the the most disappointing information that I've ever heard, which is <laughs> that the Miami Heat lost the NBA Finals yesterday. Oh, who won? Uh, the Denver Nuggets. It's actually a really Nuggets? Amazing... Their team is called the Nuggets? Yeah, like gold nuggets. Like, like nuggets of gold, you know? It's mining... Gold mining. Uh-huh. But, like, it's it's actually one of the greatest stories in sports because they've never won a championship before and they've been in the NBA since it's, like, inauguration. So they've been in the NBA for, like, oh, wow. 70 years or so something. So basically they're a terrible team. And they've finally won. Like, but Oh, they won. They won. Oh, I thought you meant they lost. No, 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 they won. Okay. And the disappointing news is that I wanted Miami to win. because you would You would keep the trophy from a team that's been in there since – the dawn of time and has never won even uh, once. But I think like... Just let them have a turn I'm, Okay, I'm happy for them because the other storyline of this NBA Finals is that Miami was the eighth seed going into the playoffs. So they're the 16th best team. They're like the last person to scrape in. And an eighth seed has like never won, never even gotten to the finals before. Oh. And they did. And they and their path to the finals, if they had won the finals, it would have been like the greatest championship run of all time because it was like they were the eighth seed. They beat the first seed. They beat the second seed. So they beat the first and the best, the second best team. They beat the fifth seed in the East. And then they were going up against the first seed of the West. But no, nah, you know, Jimmy Butler. Classic underdog tale. It was like underdogs. Because mm-hmm. it's funny, like you could say that Denver have been like the historical underdogs, mm-hmm. but... Like this season, they were literally the first seed. So they dominated the regular season and then they dominated the playoffs as well. So is this like football or rugby or something? It's basketball. Oh, okay. Basketball and Monica. You know, I, I think I'm, Look, it's just so, not I'm so interested in basketball because I'm so terrible at it. And I'm just so <laughs> impressed by everything that they do. I That's mean, cute. I can though. play, I can play, but obviously I am not a man of great stature. And so, you know, that definitely limits your ability to be able to play. Uh, but, you know, that being said, short people are still pretty good. But then, like, I got really into basketball last year, and then I broke my ankle playing oh. basketball. So, yeah, this is, you know, I was coming into the studio on crutches and whatnot. I did an avulsion fracture. and I was Oh, like, that's right. I remember that. I, I remember like, having to fill in for you because you were in hospital with uh, your, with your yeah, bunk foot. Yeah, yeah, with my broken ankle. And, like, I got some good videos from it, though. There's, like, a video of me, like, playing basketball with, like, a moon boot and a crutch, and it's really funny, and I actually get a shot in, which is hilarious. Um, but, hey, live your best life, and maybe you're not a sports fan out there, but... That being said, we've got some text messages coming through and, you know, just a bunch of people were answering the quiz. You guys have been a little bit quiet this morning. Suzanne texts in and says, I can flip my eyelids over always impresses kids a lot. Because, of course, I was challenged and I immediately, you know, proved the haters wrong um, because although I'm a basketball player, I can stand on my head. So, uh, Suzanne, I'd like to see a photo of what flipping oh. your eyelids over looks like. <laughs> if you could send that through, that'd be great. <laughs> well, Janelle has written in. She said, please send a pic slash video of Lawson doing a handstand. And that footage never gets released. Okay, I already paid you to tell <clears> them <throat> that I could do a handstand. You can't release First the First of all, you pay me nothing. And second of all, I've already sent them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're the dead around here, so. <laughs> that was a joke. I really did do a hands, headstand. <laughs> um, right. And then Sky writing in saying, thanks, Jennifer. I've been doing the deep breathing a lot more lately. Yeah, absolutely. Deep breathing really works. Yeah. I've been doing it myself. It's mm. just, I, I, every single time I do it, <clears throat> it boggles my mind how effective it is. Yeah. And it's good because it'll sort you out. And instead of your nervous system being a nervous system, it will be, you know, 
working and healthy and good and great calm, and fantastic yeah. and and calm will enable you to do what you need to do. Yeah, you know, oh man. Like life is such a grind. <laughs> life is such a grind. I'm a uni student and like while I love what I'm studying and uh, the information that's being shared has been so valuable. I did my last exam yesterday and the topic was revelation, inspiration and hermeneutics, which is entirely like the idea of how it is that that God communicates with people and then how we interpretate that interpret mm-hmm. how we interpret uh that communication and i you know i've been so blessed throughout the the course so far and i've i've just learned so much but then just studying and writing essays oh, it's it's a grind hey suzanne writes in she says no pick it looks gross <laughs> that, oh, isn't that the on, point suzanne. like i don't think i've ever seen someone flip their eyelids and i'm like wow that's really pretty no, I'm, like, I'm like <laughs> pretty i'm just struggling to figure out what that would even look like i'm having trouble imagining it please suzanne please oh i've been challenged now by sky she she's she's thinking that i'll flip my eyelids oh yeah too. she says i was waiting for lawson to say i am now trying to flip my eyelids hey do you know what give it a go you never Oh, he's sticking his, he's sticking his fingers in his eyes and he's trying to pop them out. (laughs) That's terrible. That's gross ass. Suzanne, how? (laughs) I think there's just people who can and there's just people who can't. She's got like extra litty eyelids. Yeah. I have really nice long eyelashes. Suzanne, can you like store things underneath your eyelids? Is that how extra flexible they are? I have quite thin eyelids actually. Of all the things that I ever hear a man say, I never thought I'd hear him say, I have quite thin eyelids. No, I, I, I really, I really, really do. You can actually, if I close my eyes and I pull my lashes down like this, you can see my eyeballs still. You can see like my blue eye through the skin, you know? Well, not from across the table, but yeah, maybe yeah. DJ Shell can see it. Yeah. Can but, you see light through it? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I have thin eyelids. I never thought about that before, but it's true. Have you been diagnosed? With thin eyelids. <laughs> You've been to a doctor around this. Well, apparently it's not a problem because as I was saying in our interview with Jennifer Skews, I just fall asleep whenever I want. Yeah, I'm, I'm astounded by that. You, re- Yeah, I'm jealous. I can't do that. Oh, wait, get on my level. I need to have a shower. I need to be horizontal. I need wow. a blankie. Yeah. Wait, horizontal? Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? I need to be supine. Like laying, laying flat. Oh, laying flat. I yeah, thought you yeah. meant laying across the bed sideways. Like no, you can't excuse. sleep end to end. So I'm like, excuse me. No, no, I need to be, I need to be flat. Fair enough. Hey guys, continue to send your text messages. Tell us how, how, how do you go to bed? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And any comments you have on the study that we have now, which we have been talking about, the seal of God and the mark of the beast. And last, well, yesterday we started talking about the deadly wound. Now I dropped the bomb. Ooh. And that bomb was the identification of who the Bible portrays the Antichrist ah, to be, yes. which quickly summarized, it is the smallest and most religious, most powerful nation on earth, which we would say is the Vatican or the papacy. The Bible is specifically calling out the system of the papacy. No, the Antichrist isn't a person. No, it's not Barack Obama, but it is, yeah, a system that portrays itself in the place of God, has great political influence, claims to have the ability to forgive sins, um, has a ruling period starting and this is what we're particularly going to be talking about today has a ruling period starting in the early um, medieval period it 
changes God's times and laws, or at least attempts to, and it persecutes many people. And if we go, okay, well, who exactly is that? It's pretty clear and obvious that the answer is none other than the papacy. Now, I did say, and I qualified yesterday, this isn't to say that Catholics are lost. In fact, I made the point that there will probably be more Catholics in heaven uh, than maybe any other Christian denomination, because there are simply more Catholics. Mm. And there are many people living up to the light that they know uh, within Catholicism. Uh, But at the same time, particularly as we are we're approaching the end, God is calling us to something better. He's calling us to truth. Mm. Because this is this is the point that we've been making when it comes to the seal of God and the mark of the beast. Satan's last act is to force those who are a part of this false type of worship um, to essentially seal their decision of worship either for God or for Satan. Now, the means by which he does that, we're going to be discussing a bit later in the week. But I want to look a little bit more at this Antichrist power because it says here that it receives a deadly wound we saw yesterday in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 5. It says it has this deadly wound and that deadly wound would come after 1,260 days. Now, we, or 42 months specifically in that verse. Now, towards the end of yesterday, we looked at how a day in Bible prophecy and specifically in apocalyptic Bible prophecy equals a year. It's a, you know, because it's symbolic time and we're given those examples throughout the Bible, Numbers 13.4 and the book of Ezekiel as well, uh, that shows something like this. Now, we have a period of 1,260 years. And at the end of that period, the papacy, it receives a deadly wound that it would then heal from. And the question is, well, how can we line that up in history? Where does that start and where does that begin? Now, we know from Daniel chapter 7, when it talks about the rising up of the Antichrist power, that it, be, it it comes to its full prominence of power between 476 AD and 538 AD. Now, what was happening during that time historically? Well, a number of things were happening. A real huge movements in the Western world were going on, including the downfall of the Western Roman Empire. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Now, by this time in history, it was around the 3rd century in which Constantine instituted um, essentially the worship, or around the 300s when Constantine uh, Constant, Constantine, sorry, instituted the worship of, of God of, or Christianity, you know, the worship of Jesus as the state religion of the Roman Empire. So up until this point, Rome, Imperial Rome, was mostly pagan and just you worship the sun and worship the moon and worship the rocks and whatnot. The story basically essentially goes that Constantine was going to fight a battle. Before this battle, he had a dream and he saw a picture of the cross in his dream. He saw a, a cross and heard a voice from heaven. And this voice said, in this symbol, go and conquer. And he goes out the next day and wins this battle and decides to make the entire Roman Empire Christian in a move to try and unite the Roman Empire. Now, what was actually taking place politically was that the Roman Empire was fracturing. It had split between East and West. There was a brief period of time it was split and then it was reunited again. Was it split over religion? Um, No, it was just split over politics. The Roman Empire by this time was huge. It was Mm -hmm. one of the biggest empires that ever existed, particularly in terms of population. A lot of people point to, oh, well, what about the Mongolian Empire? The Mongolian Empire was much larger than the Roman Empire, but had the Mongolian Empire ruled over areas of Mongolia that 
had like no people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The Roman Empire had at one point in time like seven eighths of the world's population. Yeah, wow. So, so or, or eight tenths, you know. Um, so it was. Was in- he trying to like reunite it through this religious? Movement? Exactly. So it was, it was a political else. move, yeah. right? Because if you control culture, then you control politics as well. Do you reckon he was telling the truth about the dream? No, nah, I don't think yeah. so. To be honest, maybe he was, but uh, the results of that was essentially that Constantine makes Christianity the religion of the empire, and his mum was a professing Christian. Up until this point, Christianity was rapidly growing in the Roman Empire, despite being bitterly and heavily persecuted. Mm-hmm. You know, Christians were being fed to lions and put in coliseums and just killed and, and whatnot. And, and under some emperors, it wasn't as bad. Under other emperors, um, say Nero and Diocletian, the persecution was just absolutely horrific towards Christians. Now, all of a sudden, Christianity is not persecuted, but it's actually legitimized and officiated and, and made a real religion. And for the initial years, it's actually was, was a, a good time to be a Christian because they're able to kind of formulate doctrine and come to a bunch of conclusions. But then there was the institution of the Catholic Church. Now, Catholicism, or the word Catholic itself, is the Latin word for universal. And the idea and the understanding was that, okay, well, now we have one universal Christian church for the entirety of the Roman Empire. And eventually the decree was made that all that entire Christian church would be would, would answer to the Pope in Rome. So the Roman Pope, he was the head of the church. Rome was the headquarters of the church. And that is where decisions and doctrine came from. Now, up until 476, you know, the the Roman, uh, well, you know, the church is mostly functioning on a religious level and kind of have, although religion and politics are melded, we don't see... Um, we we don't see the church really enforcing its will massively, but rather we see wars between countries over interpretation of Christianity. Because by the 4th and 5th century, when Christianity was widespread, you had what was called, for example, the Arian controversy, mm. where there are a group of people who Arians believe that Jesus wasn't God, which was in contrast to you know common Christian belief and definitely Catholic Christian belief at the time of Trinitarianism. And there was actually countries who went to war as a result of this. Now, this... It's, it's interesting to me that the devil will, like, if he can't get people to fight against Christians... He'll just make them all Christian in name and then get them to fight amongst themselves. Exactly. And so, like, an outplaying of this is that you see uh, the the Franks ultimately in 508 make allegiance to, you know, uh, Catholicism and Trinitarianism rather than Arianism and then go to war with other countries over over this issue, which is, you know, obviously other contributing issues to that was, you know, land and power and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But one of the catalysts for that was difference in biblical interpretation, which is incredible um that it had such and i say incredible in a kind of a shock and awe sense not mm-hmm, in a happy sense mm-hmm. because people going to war over doctrine is absolutely crazy it's, it's they must have missed a few other things in the bible <laughs> yeah absolutely uh but you come to 476 in which the roman empire dissolves into the 10 nations of europe and then during that time from 476 to 538 ad there's the downfall of the heruli the ostrogoths and the vandals now this campaign these campaigns were a kind of collaboration between the franks but were mostly led out um, by the romans who were out in constantinople um 
under the decree of Constantine, Constantinople, which is essentially modern-day Istanbul, had become the capital of the Roman Empire. Now, once the Roman Empire split and dissolved and whatnot, you've got all the quote-unquote real Romans living out in Constantinople, and they're like, man, we've got to get back to Rome. You know, we've got to get back to Italy, which at that time was being occupied by the Ostrogoths. And so they went on a war campaign under Belisarius. You know, it was decreed by Justinian under Belisarius the general, and they ultimately made it back to Rome, destroying the Heruli, the Ostrogoths, and the Vandals. And once they got back to Rome, uh, the real, the quote-unquote real Romans installed their own pope, and they gave them an army and officially became a nation. And as a result of this, from this time in 538 AD, essentially, um, the Roman Catholic Church had that political and military power. Is that the start of the Dark Ages? Well, essentially, yeah. yeah. So basically plunged the world into darkness. Well, yeah, plunged the world into darkness. Well, definitely in the West. What, what in terms ca- of like a spiritual darkness, because they won't yeah. let people... Read the Bible for themselves. Read the Bible or study science or... Learn how to read or write at all. Yeah, it was yeah. a really, really, really dark period of time for, you know, just um, civilization and advancement and whatnot. And there's, like, there's like constantly, like, you know, theories, but also kind of jokes and parodies about, like, if the Dark Ages hadn't have taken place and um, if religion hadn't become such a predominant force in Western Europe, like, how much more advanced would the world be? today mm, mm-hmm. you know there's you know there's a few other things that contributed to that like the, you know the burning of the library of alexandria and and whatnot but the the point is is that essentially we have this huge religious influence um, that is incredibly negative. It's the combining of church and state. It comes from a Christian perspective, and that's exactly what we see playing out in the chapters of the Bible in Revelation chapter seven. Uh, sorry, in Daniel chapter seven, and we can see that very clearly in history. Now, okay, so if we pick that day, five thirty eight. AD. That's when the Ostrogoths were finally destroyed and Romans was, Rome was taken back by the Romans and by the papacy. Now, what happens from that point forward? Well, the Dark Ages, as we've just said. And then we have to say, okay, well, we have this period of 1,260 years. Well, when does that extend to? If we pick 538 as the date, which, again, the Ostrogoths were destroyed and the, the papacy was emboldened, if we plus 1,260 to that date, we come out at the year... 1798. And the question is, well, what happened in that year? Did anything significant happen to the Catholic Church? Did they receive a mortal wound? And by the Catholic Church, I mean the papacy. Did they receive a mortal wound? Well, the 1700s were quite a significant period of time in history because it signified, you know, the beginnings of the Age of Enlightenment and Reason and the end of the Dark Ages. But why was it an end of of the Dark Ages? It was because of this thing called the French Revolution. There was this guy. He was five foot four. His name was Napoleon. I think it was five foot four. Everyone calls him short. Um, his name was Napoleon Bonaparte. He, you know, decided to become the emperor of France and kill all the monarchs because sick of monarchies, sick of you know uh, all of this like uh, disparity between the rich and the poor and whatnot. Let's institute democracy and kill all the monarchies. And a huge part of that was, well, what else is negatively affecting and controlling our uh, society? Oh, religion. <laughs> religion is very negatively affecting our society. And, and that's something that would have been obvious to see for the French at that time because they were deeply Catholic and Catholicism had huge control and deeply persecuted the people of France. Uh, you know, you particularly look at like groups like the Huguenots and whatnot who 
were killed, 60,000 people killed in one day as a result of persecution. Um, you did have the Protestant Reformation going on in other countries in the world, but France had largely rejected the Protestant Reformation. So then you get to a point where 200 years later, what's the result? Oh, well, now we really hate Christianity and we're going to do something about it. So in 1797... Uh, there was a guy, his name was General Berthier. He was commanded by Napoleon Bonaparte to go in and to storm the Vatican and to take the Pope captive. And he didn't until 1798, perfectly in line with the time period that the Bible gives. From 538, the Roman Catholic Church is political institution, until 1798, the Roman Catholic Church is at political downfall. Exactly 1,260 years from... You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. What a beautiful morning. We're about to jump right back into our Bible study, but not before I give you another quiz. What Bible book does the saying, do unto others as you want done unto you, come from? So it's a book in the Bible. It's the golden rule. We all know this one. Do unto others as you want done unto you. But which book of the Bible is it found in? Give us a text on 0491064669. Just a friendly reminder that we don't take phone calls at the moment just because we're um, all in one big room together. And uh, so give us a text. Tell us which book, which book of the Bible has the golden rule in it. And you can be in the draw to win Friday's excuse me, grand prize. Oh, man. You feeling good now? That was amazing. I just ate lots of couscous and it was good. It was my favorite type of couscous. Too. Pearl couscous. Pearl it's the bomb.com. It's literally the best thing I ever. I literally just discovered it. I don't know. I don't like to the um, Oh, man. I got a story about couscous, okay? This is. Couscous has been one of the most controversial foods of my life. <laughs> I, you might be thinking, what does that even mean? And I let, let me Pastor tell you. Pastor is controversial. Yeah. <laughs> go on, go so, on. So, no, it, you know, it's, it's not. Couscous. Was cancelled. Actually, I did have a big argument with someone about couscous once, but go on. So couscous for me was cancelled, and that was because one day my mum wanted to make couscous for us. Like regular couscous, not pearl couscous. And she made this couscous, and I'm not understating this by saying that it was the most terrible thing that I've ever eaten. Uh-oh. Now, it's not just because... Don't tell me you preference. said that to your mum. No, well, hear me out, hear me out. Because <laughs> my whole family ate it, you know, my three sisters and my dad. And usually we, you know, the rule was like you had to eat everything that mum made. Mm-hmm. Like every, you got to, you have to clean that plate mm-hmm. because like she made it, she put in the effort and, you and know. because m- kids are starving in Africa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kids are starving yeah. in Africa, you know. And so I was doing my duty as an eight-year-old to, you know, fix that problem. And, um, but also simultaneously, like the most of the food, like the 99% of the food that mum made was like nice. You know, I used to love my mum's lasagna, spaghetti bolognese, whatever it may be. Like it was like really good, but she made this couscous and all of us like simultaneously like took our first couple bites and we're all like, this is gross. Like she just cooked it way wrong. I don't know. I think it was really dry. Like she didn't, Mm -hmm. she didn't cook it properly. And dad's like, looked at all of us. We looked at him and we looked at mum, and dad goes, Let's order a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, rough. And so, you know, it's like the only time, it's like one of two times, I think, that that's ever happened to mum. It's happened multiple times to my dad. Like, like, um, pizza night every other night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with him. I remember one time he tried to make, dad got into cooking and he just started cooking and he had like a few meals that he made that he's really proud of. He's like, okay, I've got something. It's called sweet and sour rice. And it's literally rice with sweet and sour hind 
sauce and it was just the most disgusting thing ever. Anyways, uh, oh, you could my take- argument about it was I was having a uh, conversation with someone who told me that she was uh, allergic to gluten, um, but she was eating couscous. And I'm like, how are you eating couscous if you're allergic to gluten? She's like, because it's a seed. I'm like, it's not a seed, it's a pasta. We had, we had a full-blown argument about whether or not couscous was a seed or a pasta. And in the United States, I can't remember that arguing. Please just go Google it. Uh-huh. Were you right? Yeah, dude. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Sky takes us in. Hey, soapbox time. She, you know, Sky's really on my case about going <laughs> off topic. I love her for it. She's like, she's like. You stay oh, on that case, Sky. Oh, Lawson. Oh, he's, he's got something Here grandstand about. Here we go. <laughs> Anyways. Hey, Would you like me to help you down from that high horse there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> you said sure. you weren't a man of great stature. <laughs> I can keep right. your little knee down. Call me Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, <laughs> Because I'd be up. But, but hey, we're, so we're talking about the French Revolution. 1798 yes. rolls around exactly 1,200 years from the Catholic Church, or well, the papacy's political institution. And, and specifically, like, the thing that really marks that was, yes, the fall of the Ostrogoths, but also that Justinian at that time released a decree to make the Pope in Rome um, a political figure and to make him the greatest of the popes. So he now had the title um, of Pontifus Maximus, which is something, you know, we know the pope is the pontiff, the great pontiff, but that was a title, that was a political title, which was actually given to popes first and foremost, rather than, you know, just uh, just religious people. It was like, oh, no, he has this level of political influence and sway. Come to 1798, French Revolution happens, the papacy is destroyed. Now, at that time, in 1798, the Pope is... Well, the, the Vatican is ransacked. General Berthier takes the Pope captive. I believe is Pope Louis VI. It's, it's whoever the Pope was at that time. They take him captive, and he dies in captivity. Mm-hmm. And the papacy essentially ceased to exist. It was all, all the articles were confiscated. The Vatican was left empty. Catholicism obviously still existed because it's one of the biggest Christian religions in the in the denominations in the world. But it was like, well, what, where are we going to go from here? Now, when we go back to Revelation chapter uh, chapter thirteen, and do you want to read for us at verse five? Revelation chapter thirteen and verse. Sorry, do you want to read for us verse four? I am reading for the NKJV, and it says this. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Actually, read verse 2 for us. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Man, I think I'm, I think I'm getting the... The, the verses mixed up here. Is it, is it verse 3? Which, which one is it that says that he received... He, he had a head that seemed to be mortally wounded but the mortal wound healed is it verse three Mm, yes three yeah and i saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast sorry i didn't have the passage up in front of me that's what i get mon to do you're around there yeah yeah, Yeah. yeah, that's right um yeah so we see that it receives a mortal wound but then that mortal wound is healed it would only be a couple of years later that the Vatican was reinstated with some level of power, but not political. It was like, okay, yep, you guys can be a religion again, but you can't wield any political power, essentially ending the Dark Ages. Now, that existed right up until the era of 
the 20th century. So just in the last 100 years under Mussolini to very much get uh, the papacy on side of Mussolini's, um, you know, political exploits and, and wants. And, and we know that Mussolini, when it came, when it eventually came to World War Two, he was a part of the Axis power. He was you know, fighting alongside uh, the Germans and the Japanese, um, but then, you know, defa- uh, defected later in the war. In 1929, to kind of make, make peace with the Catholic Church and get their support, he gave them that. Well, he made them into a nation state. He made the Vatican City into a, a nation again. Which it still is now. Which it still is today. And then, you know, we asked the question okay, has it title, totally died from its mortal wound? No. Like, uh, Catholicism is the, the most popular denomination within, you know, the, the world, Christianity, um, boasting uh, somewhere in the, like a billion and a half members uh, of the Catholic Church. Um, the papacy is an incredibly powerful institution, an incredibly rich institution, and its power has a lot of sway and is very, very far-reaching. And has even made, you know, even, even, even influencing American politics, which I think it's been influencing American politics for a long time. But if you think of, like, the... The um, if you think of the like the history of the United States and you know the Puritans coming over to largely escape religious persecution, uh, for for a long time Catholicism was rejected in the United States. Even though there were Catholics in the United States, Catholicism was rejected by you know a lot of Americans. Up until nineteen the nineteen sixties, you had the election of the first ever Catholic president, which was JFK. So JFK, John F. Kennedy, he was the first ever Catholic president, and it was you know a very you know, remarkable feature of his that he was Catholic, and it was like, oh man, is this going to fly that he'll become president because he's Catholic? But um, to secure votes in the South, he went down to the South and essentially promised to her, hey, I'm not going to listen to the Pope. Uh, I'm not going to do what the Pope says. I'm not going to be in line with him. Uh, but now... We see, yeah, it flipping the other way where, you know, the president of the United States regularly, at least once a year, meets with the Pope to to talk politics, to discuss religion, all these different things. Uh, But essentially what we see is that this history of the Catholic Church fully lines up with Bible prophecy, what we see taking place in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. So we can wholeheartedly identify them as this power. We're going to continue on though. Oh, there's so much more that can be said. We're going to be talking tomorrow about the great falling away. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we have come to a time in which we give you quiz answers. I think we must have missed one because I have a question here that I didn't read out. Oh, why would you do such a thing? I don't know how we did that. How did we do that? How, how does that even happen? Okay, one last opportunity, getting Cus, quick. Cus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was couscous. We're talking about couscous. <laughs> we should have been doing the quiz. Hey, uh, one last quiz question, and then I'm going to give you the answers immediately. Where did the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal take place? Oh. Where did the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal take place? 0491 064669. Text it in like the next 10 seconds. <laughs> you know what? I want to give you guys, a, <clears throat> I want to I help you out here. It wasn't Mount Chocolate. 
0491-064-669 is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win our amazing prize for this week. But, well, okay. Let's do the answers. But, but now we have to do answers. That's fine. But we just don't want to do it for the last one. Okay, we'll give, we'll give the answer for the last one in the next In segment. the next segment, okay. okay. Uh, the age that Sarah, um, the wife of Abraham, died, she was 90 years old when she conceived and bore her son Isaac, and she died at the age of 127. King David's father was Jesse. Who said, who hath God wrought, was Balaam. The book of the Bible that contains the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do unto you, is the book of Matthew. And in the next segment, I'll tell you the answer to um, the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Mm, absolutely. Hey, we've got a few text messages in here. Um, well, Sky was pulling us up, for, you know, <laughs> going on, but then says, nah, I love it. I wish I was there. And, you know, I love, I love talking with people. I love being able to talk every morning. And Sky, I, where are you? I, Come down. Yeah, because that's the thing. We would love for you guys, you know, live audience, t- live studio audience. Text in. <laughs> tell us how you feel. We can have a conversation. We should sell tears. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Faith FM live. We do like a live show in like an arena or something. <laughs> That's powerful. Um, hey, we also got a text message coming in, essentially just asking us. Well, they were really blessed by the Jennifer Skews interview, mm. but which we always are. Um, they were really blessed by that interview, and they said, "Hey, um, I was, you know, trying to find other Jennifer Skews interviews. Where can I find them? If you go to the podcast section, section or the breakfast show section on our website, that's Faith FM dot If you head over there to Faith FM dot com and uh, faithfm.com.au, you'll be able to find all of the information there. And it says here that you've you've had a look. It's every Wednesday show that we get Jennifer but I think it has her name on. on it, right? But it will have her name on it. In the description. It. So yeah, you'll yeah. be able to just, just look for that description and find everything that Jennifer Skews is saying about mental health and how you can have a blessed and better so basically go to the website, go to the podcasts and find all the ones that are from Wednesdays that have her name in the description. What, okay. What's been like your favorite piece of advice that Jennifer Skews has shared? Oh, faith over fear. Probably my favorite. Mm, yeah. Faith over fear. And how has that, how has that been a positive like benefit and impact to yourself? So, so last year when I had my little incident with my little home burning, mm-hmm. um, actually I, um, <clears throat> I had uh, a session with her pretty early on in the piece mm-hmm. and, um, and I was just telling her how I, uh, how I was scared at night sleeping, um, mm-hmm. just, which is unusual for me because I, like you, I usually just fall asleep like a log <laughs> and, uh, and she told me, you know, we need to focus on faith over fear. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I was, um, I was at the shopping center and I was actually procrastinating going home because I didn't want to be home alone again and, uh, and struggling to fall asleep. And as I was walking around Kmart, just wasting time, I was in the beauty section and I was just looking at like products, perfumes on the, on the shelf. And I saw a little card, like a little sort of credit card sized piece of paper that someone had left on the shelf. And I, I could not believe my eyes lost. And I went over to it and I picked it up and on there was written faith over fear. Wow. And I flipped it over and there was a Bible verse on it. Um, oh, I'm blanking on what the Bible verse was. Oh no, it said, it said when you feel like you have lost everything, run to God. Mm. And then it had a little Bible verse, uh, reference in there. Mm. And, uh, and so yes, every time I think of, uh, what Jennifer's, um, um, guided me through, um, I think about the faith over fear miracle that the Lord, 
really spoke to me and let me know that he was close to me in my dark time. Absolutely. I, I think it's incredible that, oh, there's so much to say about this, but it's incredible that God can really work in our hearts and our minds. And we have mental health professionals, yes, but we can work in tandem with the Lord. Yes, one last quiz answer. What? Uh, where did the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal take place? It was on Mount Carmel. Congratulations. Pretty much everybody got that correct. <laughs> Not Mount Chocolate. <laughs> It's caramel, not caramel. <laughs> I went to Carmel College, though, actually, for a brief time, which oh, is nice. the Adventist High School in Western Australia. Ah. But, hey, let me tell you about uh, something that everybody can win. Um, this is a, an ongoing giveaway that's going on for the month of June uh, for Faith FM. We are giving away merchandise, so jackets, hats, mugs, caps, all that kind of stuff. If you would like to win some Faith FM merchandise and get out on the street and represent uh, the Faith FM uh, crew, all you've got to do is go to the Faith FM website and there are multiple ways to get your name into the uh, into the competition there. There's 16 different ways to do it, stuff like uh, engaging with the uh, – Instagram page or the Facebook face Facebook Facebook page, uh, signing up for the news uh, the newsletter the e magazine, downloading the Faith FM app, or you can click on the breakfast show uh, and put in the secret code word, which is Wheatbix W E E T B I X, and that will get you in with another chance um, to win more merchandise. Amazing! There is so much we are giving away, and we want to bless you with because we want you have a blessed life. Amen. We want you to be able to experience Jesus, to walk with him. And guys, remember to live faith, to act faith, to talk faith, to be of faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ today. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.